This week on the Vergecast, Android 10, bunch of news from IFA. In fact, we have a field report from the crew at IFA. Get into Facebook dating, and we do a little preview of the Apple event next week. That's coming up on the Vergecast. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of the Vox Media universe. It's good. It's a universe. Dieter Bone is off. He's at the XOXO Festival in Portland. So if you're there, just wander up behind him and say USBC, and then he'll just toss, he'll just start talking. <laughs> and then say Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> weird. It's a weird thing to say. I'm Neil. I'm your friend. That was Paul Miller. Hi, Paul. Hello. In Dieter's stead, we, we've had to replace him with two people. Dan Seifert is here. Hello. Ashley Carmen is here. Hi. How's it going? Good. All right. It's here. It happened. Technically, summer is not over, but I've ominously been saying to our editors, summer is over in an effort to get everybody back to work. <laughs> um, it's true. That's, it's, I just wandered the hallways saying summer is over ominously. Mm-hmm. But like gadget season is here. It's IFA in Berlin. We've got a crew out in IFA. The show's going to be a little bit different. Um, John Porter, Tom Warren, Chris Welch are in Berlin. This is true. They just sat down and recorded some Vergecast in Berlin while we were sleeping. So we're going to run that in the middle of the show, a little field dispatch. I'm hoping that it's actually they're talking about tech news. They're not just going to clubs in Berlin as a field dispatch. You never know with them. (laughs) But they were there. There was an Amazon event. There's all kinds of gadgets coming out there. Then we got to talk about Facebook dating with Ashley. Obviously. And there's an Apple event next week. Like, there's just so much going on. But let's start with, uh, I think, some news that's, like, a personal importance to me and to Dan, uh, <laughs> which is that Sonos put out a speaker. Obviously, you're listening to the Vergecast. If you're in the feed, you know we interviewed Patrick Spence, who's the CEO of Sonos this week, talked a lot about the move. If you want a deep dive into Sonos speakers and literally how to run a company, that's a good thing to go listen to. But let's quickly go over the news. So talk about the move, Dan. Uh, so the move is, like, a big deal for Sonos. It is the company's first, quote, portable speaker. It's got a battery in it. It works on Sonos's like Wi-Fi system and AirPlay 2 and Spotify Connect and all that stuff that all the other Sonos uh, speakers do. But it also for the first time has like functional Bluetooth that you can pair your device to and, and use like a Bluetooth speaker. So you could, in theory, take this thing out to the beach or the park with you instead of a UE Boom or whatever Bluetooth speaker you happen to own already uh, and, and be using a Sonos speaker out there. Um, it's 400 bucks and it's huge. It like, is it very is like, large. Like it, if you haven't seen our article, go, uh, pull over on the side of the road, there look up the article 
and check out the picture. There's a picture of the Sonos Move next to the Sonos One, and it's like the Sonos Move could eat the Sonos One, and it's like six and a half pounds or something. How would you describe this size? Is this like two pineapples stacked on each other sideways? It's like a, a healthy watermelon. Okay, so we're going fruits. We're, we're just fully in the produce section. 27 kiwis carefully arranged. But it, the, the point is, it's not the type of thing that you can just be like walking out the door, throw in your bag and like go. Like like this is like, if you are taking it with you, it is like a pack that you are taking Unless you. you are the sort of person who regularly runs out the door with two pineapples. I don't know what your life is like. <laughs> If you are like, it's pretty normal for me to leave the house with a medium watermelon. Maybe. You never know. And this will be helpful because you got it. It has a handle. It does have a handle. It doesn't have a strap and it doesn't have like a place to bolt a strap to it. But it does have like a molded handle in the back so you could pick it up. And they're very proud of the handle. They're actually very proud of the design of this thing overall. So two little notes like um, the tweeters, because they know people are going to be sitting around it. The tweeters actually fired down into this extremely custom waveguide channel which is neat. It's like some Sonos stuff. Uh, it is not black. It is shadow black, which is a color they tested a lot. It's black. It's like a very darker. I'm someone who like really cares about matching blacks. It's a black that shows fingerprints very easily, as you can see in the pictures in the article. But like it's supposed to not be all the way black so it doesn't absorb too much heat and not fade. It's not white because I get super dirty. It's like they're, they're very thoughtful about these kinds of details. I talked about them with us a lot. And then it sits on a little base with pogo pins to charge. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning that this is like, quote, portable speaker. I think real the use case for this is you are a Sonos customer or you want Sonos in your house and you want a speaker that might basically lives in your home in like your living room or your kitchen or wherever it is that you want to put it. And like 95% of the time, it just sits there on the base and you use it like you would any other Sonos speaker. And then like that five or 10% of the time you want music out on your patio because you're like barbecuing or it's a nice weather or whatever. You just like pick the thing up and move it to the patio. And it doesn't even probably need to to switch to Bluetooth at that point. It can just run on the battery for 10 hours and you're outside all day and you don't have to worry about it. And then when you're done, you just kind of put it back in the house. Like I don't really see people traveling with this kind of speaker. Well, so I, um, there's a guy in my neighborhood who has like a crazy, like $100,000 jacked up Jeep Wrangler. I bet <laughs> like I wanted to ask him. Like, it was like still under embargo, so I couldn't. But I was like, <laughs> would you be interested in a $400 Bluetooth speaker? And I, I think the answer is yes. I'm going to find out. I'm going to do some reporting this week. I'm going to exclusively talk to people with like six figure Jeeps. I mean, it's not the only one, but it's like m when most people hear Bluetooth speaker, they think of a UE boom that costs them like 80 bucks or something like that. And it's like the size of two soda cans to, on top of each other. This is like not that product at all. It's very different. It was interesting. So I have a Sonos set up and we had some friends over for Labor Day and we were like running around the house and I had never thought about it before, but I instantly came up with like six different ways this thing would have been useful. Right? Mm -hmm. Like we were... Outside in the yard, we were out by the grill. We were, like, I don't know, just running around being idiots. It would have been like it would have been useful in a way that my Bluetooth speaker is annoying. And then if we were actually, I think the Bluetooth part of it is actually like, if you're gonna make one that moves, you have to have some facility to take it away from your house. But I agree with you. I think mostly this is about you want a Sonos experience somewhere near your house, in range of your Wi-Fi. And this makes it much easier to do that. Yeah, most of the time you'll you'll use it on Wi-Fi. It has the same voice control features as the Sonos one. So you couldn't like yell at it to 
you know, tell Alexa or Google Assistant to do something. Uh, and, and that will all function wirelessly, even on battery, as long as it's on the Wi-Fi network. When you do go over to Bluetooth, you kind of lose all of those features. So you don't have the ability to Bluetooth or stereo pair if you really wanted to stereo pair to Bluetooth speakers like these. Uh, you don't have the voice controls. You don't have the true play tuning that um, uh, we haven't talked about yet. But but the new thing with this is that it automatically uses Sonos's true play tuning. So it's like uh, older Sonos speakers, you had to wave an iPhone around a room for 30 to 60 seconds to map the room and then the speaker would adjust itself. This is smart enough to use its own microphones to adjust itself to the environment, which is great because it's something that you're moving all the time. It, it seems to be a lot like uh, the HomePod where like as soon as you turn it on, within 30 seconds, it's adapted itself to the room uh, and adjusted its sound as, as, as well. But like a lot of those cool, nifty, smart features, you really aren't going to benefit a lot from when you're on Bluetooth. It's just a Bluetooth speaker. So my favorite little bit, and then we should talk about the other two ones. And again, there is an entire podcast with Patrick Spence that you can listen to. My favorite little bit, the battery is removable because it's supposed to, like Sonos is like, these things should last for like a decade. The battery is going to last three years. Eventually, we're just going to sell replacement batteries. It's not removable in the sense that like, you're out and about and you like keep a second one charged so that you can keep the party going for 20 hours instead of 10. It's removable in the sense that like after three years of use, or I think Sonos estimates like 900 charges, it's not going to hold its charge anymore. So you can like take the bottom apart with a couple of screws and swap out the cell. There's like a handy little plug or whatever. And they say that they will be selling more or replacement battery packs, but we don't know how much they're going to cost yet, but they'll be available at some point. <laughs> Three fifty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I love that. And like, they actually didn't take as much credit for it as like, I wanted to give them like Spence <laughs> was like, well, it's not a phone. It's like easy to do. Right. Like yeah. um, they're like, it's big. We had the room, but so, so <laughs> many products have sealed in batteries and they just expect them to be disposable. And here they actually like thought about it. Every other Bluetooth speaker on the market is falls into that. Like, I, can you change the battery on a UE Boom? I don't think so. I, I bet Heim can. Here. I'm just putting it out well, there. Yeah. I bet Heim Gartenberg can change the battery on a UE Boom. I mean, this is also interesting, though, because it is, in a certain way, a recurring revenue model. Like, not in this exact moment, but in a few years, it does generate some cash for them if this becomes a popular product. You mean the battery swaps? Yeah. Like, every I mean, three years, it, everybody it guarantees as opposed to just buying. Like, yes, wow. you could buy a new speaker. But like wow. it's expensive. I think this was it had to happen. Battery pods. This I don't own a Sonos. Obviously, everyone at the Verge like has Sonos, loves Sonos. But I've been waiting, and this actually almost might be the one. I think this might be it. Is it the one at four hundred dollars? Well, that's first of all, four hundred dollars is obscene for me. Second <laughs> of all, this thing is freaking huge. When I saw that photo, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I have to put that yeah. on my shelf over my bed. No yeah, way. I, I I think like the price and the size for like the 9 million existing Sonos people that have like Sonos systems already. And they're like, Oh, it'd be great. I can take it out of my house. Like Neil, said uh, earlier, that's not going to be a hurdle for them. They'll pay the $400. They'll you know be happy with the size. I think it might be a hurdle for non Sonos customers. Like $400 is a huge layout for a single speaker. So I think that's why they made the, the one SL maybe wildly different product, but yeah, <laughs> this kind of seems like a portable home pod though, right? It's kind of, yeah. Like, Fair what enough. if you could have a HomePod that was portable or I mean, movable? Nobody bought the HomePod yeah, it, as it is. The, <laughs> what is the argument you're it making? Movable. <laughs> what if you could have an unpopular product made by a different company <laughs> running a different operating system? <laughs> um, well, so that's why they made the cheaper one. So, I mean, I'm curious. At 179 No, that's, that's a nice it way, And it'll probably get discounted way cheaper. At 179 however, it is not portable, has no battery, does not do Bluetooth. 
Right. I mean, the thing is, the portable, the portable is what was attractive to me because I have a deck. I mean, my speaker can be. I have a speaker in my room right now, and it's fine. Yeah. But like, I need something. I love that it sits on a base already, so it's charged. I don't have to worry about micro USB or whatever. Two USB C. Yeah. See this? No. Yeah, and this is fine. But like, now I can take it outside. I need a portable speaker. Yeah. My life is portable, you guys. You gotta get you gotta be in the move. Yeah. You're gonna you're, Always. you're the person with like the watermelon bag that's just waiting. Dude, I have two <laughs> bags at all times. It's actually a problem. All right, Dan. The other big news this week, Android ten hit, Dita reviewed it. Yep. Was not necessarily impressed. Right. He I called mean, it he called it a permanent beta. He talked he talked a lot about the gestures, which are yep. the iPhone set of gestures. If you talk to Dieter, uh, he is actually surprised at how much backlash there is on the gestures. He actually likes the gestures a lot. And I think he says this in the review as well, that he, after using them for a while, uh, he, he prefers the gestures over the, the button system. However, there is, it is a huge change. It does affect things like app drawers and things like that, uh, hamburger menus and what have you. Uh, and maybe there's a lot of people that are resistant to change, probably out there, and they might not like it. But Google gives you the option to go back to buttons if you want. Yeah. So it's out. You can get it on Pixel phones, a handful of other phones. The other thing Dieter wrote this week is that you are probably not going to get it because the Android ecosystem is very, very bad at updates. Yep. Uh, and I, we'll stick this in like the show notes or the, the post on the site or something, but he made a graph of like the char- the upgrade curve, and he put a vertical line at six months and a horizontal line at 50%, and literally nobody hit the center of the graph where at six months more than 50% of their phones have been updated, except for Nokia, which is shocking. <laughs> If you want updates and you don't want a Pixel phone, I guess Nokia is the way to go. Yeah, but it's it's just a very strange situation. Dieter wrote a great piece. It actually sat at the top of the site all week, right? Just pulling apart why Google has so many problems updating these phones. It's like a huge mixture of things, including the fact that Android is fundamentally an open source project. But Android 10 is out. If you got a Pixel phone, you're using it. What do you think, Dan? It's fine. I don't mind. I like the gestures too. Like, like I've got it installed on a Pixel Three here, and like I wish I had these gestures on other Android phones. So in a year, when Android Ten actually arrives on other phones, I'll have them, which is cool. But like, it's it's really not fundamentally different. And Dieter says this in the piece. Like, aside from the gestures and maybe some new permissions for privacy things, like day to day use case uh, scenarios are not that much different than it was on Android Nine. So like. So much is happening with Android within the Play Store and with Google Play services that like the actual platform updates are becoming less and less like impactful every time. Here's a problem I'm having with the gestures. Maybe, Dan, you can solve this for me. All right. I've got an app. It's buggy. It crashes or it's doing something bad. I want to did force... You, did you write that app? No. <laughs> no my apps are always excellent and, and <laughs> void of bugs. So I want to get to the multitasker so that I can swipe it away, right? Uh-huh. And I feel like I, maybe it's just a bad habit. I Typically, I would go home, and then I'd go to the multitasker, and then i pull. I don't know. For some reason, right now, if you're on the home screen and you swipe up, right, you don't get multitasking. You get the app drawer, right? You need to swipe over to be in an app, and then you swipe up to be in the multitasker, and then you swipe back to the app that you want to get rid of because it's the most recent one. It's like the hardest app to have pulled up in the multitasker is the one that you were just in. And that's the one I want to force close because that's the one that's buggy. I think you just got to swipe up and hold. 
and then you get to the multitasking. Like if I'm on the home screen and I swipe up and hold, then I get to the multitasking screen. And then the app's there and I can I can. Am I just it. bad at swiping? Nothing makes for more compelling radio than two people discussing yes. swiping. So, th- I mean, but this this talks to like the, the, the fundamental problem with gestures is discoverability. And like you really do have to relearn how to use your phone and, and all the muscle memory you have from tapping buttons and placement and things like that is going out the window and like, it's going to hurt for a week or two weeks or whatever, however long it takes for you to get used to it. Once you're past that hurdle, then like you're probably fine. And and you might like the gestures. You might not. I think most people do like the gestures once they're past that, but those first week or two are, are probably painful. Ultimately, I think that that's the strongest argument in favor of Google changing these gestures. Like, yes, they copied Apple. Yes. They look and feel a lot like the iOS gestures, but if they are to stand any hope, of converting people from the iPhone, they cannot expect everyone to le- relearn those gestures, right? And like, once there's a market leader, like, if I was to make a new car and I was like, it doesn't have a steering wheel, it has a series of tubes that you blow into, and they're located strategically around your head. Like, figure it out. What? Like, it, you're doomed. That was definitely like the first three versions of Android. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you have to, like, all the pedals are in the same place, the steering wheel is the same place, the horns in the same place, like. Most cars, like the wipers and the transmission are all in the same place. Although I will say that transmissions are getting increasingly esoteric, which I love. Um, <laughs> like now there's like a series of buttons and knobs like randomly located throughout a car. But like the, all that stuff is standardized and no one yells at Ford when they put out a new car and they're like, you copied the steering wheel from BMW. <laughs> like it just doesn't happen. And I think you're seeing that a lot here with these yes. sort of navigation systems. They're copying from each other and eventually they're just landing in the same place because it's it's kind of rude to your users they are to make landing you. where webOS was. Ten years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the thing Peter's not here. Got, somebody's got to say Someone's it. Someone's got to say it. Doesn't copy and stuff like this like there was a lot of copying in the early days, and I remember there being lawsuits over. It. I'm sure that was kind of that was mostly like the Apple Samsung stuff was 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 look, but not feel. Can is feel not copyrightable or patentable? Uh. Are you killing me? Like, remember, like, pull to refresh? Yeah, Wasn't yeah. There a I big wrote about legal? all these patents. I made a great video. Remember uh, Creighton, our old producer? He and I ran around, I believe it was Mobile World Congress, looking at all of the ways people had designed around Apple's slide to unlock patent. And it was, oh, right. It was like crazy town, right? And Apple's slide to unlock patent was extremely specific. It was like, this icon moves from here to here in a, in a channel. It, it's like, it has to move along one axis, not multiple axes. So then, like, Sony had one that, like, went up and down. <laughs> like, it was so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's – I think those days are over. I don't think anybody uh, – you know, like, Apple and Google, like, their frenemies, Android exists. You know, it's like – I don't think that Apple has a lot of call to go and sue over this stuff in the way they did at the very beginning when they were morally mm-hmm. upset with Samsung. Like, that whole market has right. settled down. And Samsung, their you know number one rival, is also one of their biggest suppliers – so I think that that stuff is just like wound itself to a close. But ultimately, like Apple pulls from Android just as much. It's just a little mm-hmm. quieter, I think. Android users are pretty vocal about it when when Apple copies. Yeah, we're all just borrowing from WebOS. We're all just slowly retracing the footprint. Soon, apps will just be websites. I mean, that's the goal. <laughs> I mean, they already cardi- they already kind of are. But like Dieter and I were talking about the fact that um, there's a bunch of TV news at IFA this week. Tom and Chris and John are going to talk about it in their EFA segment, so we won't overdo it. But there's like new Amazon Fire TV soundbars. There's a new Roku soundbar. There's like OnePlus is making a TV. Like there's all this like TV action out in the world, right? And it's wild because everybody has their own TV operating system. 
in a way that no other kind of computing supports. Like there are but two smartphone operating systems, there are but two major desktop operating systems, and there's Paul running Linux. This is your year. Ser servers have a, a little bit more diversity because you've got Windows, Linux, and Unix. Yeah, but and that's like enterprise. In like the consumer world, most things are this kind of like duopoly, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, on TVs, it's Samsung has Tizen and Vizio has like Vizio World. I don't know what their OS is called. Uh, LG's running WebOS. Sony runs right. Android. Like Roku runs Roku. Amazon runs Fire, which is like a variant of Android. And it's because all of the apps are just HTML5 apps because you don't have to like do any computer stuff. Like the only thing you ever do with a, a, a TV app is like get a video stream and play it. So they've all moved to HTML5 is their like app vehicle. They like wrap it in different ways, which means the operating system layer is where all the action is, which is completely upside down. I, I really hope we move past this HTML5 app era because they're not, they're not fast. No, they're not I'm like waiting five seconds after every button press on my Vizio is not ideal. And I know there's some serious hardware in this thing. This is a 4K 65 inch television. You know, it's powerful. It could do HDR, you know, like it has it does upscaling like it obviously has hardware inside it that can do stuff that's kind of like a GPU, but it's a, it's it seems like just a really bad software renderer doing the worst job at HTML5. Yeah, Vizio World OS. Uh, <laughs> turns out there's only so many like OS performance engineers in the world, uh, and they work at Apple, Google, and Microsoft. And like, but it's wild because all these companies have their own OS. But really, it's because they can they can basically just like get their own, not pay licensing fees. And then Netflix will ship them an HTML5 app that's like a lightly tweaked to run on their platform, and that's fine. And they can put in all the uh, data collection software they want. Yeah, everyone wants to own their own platform, and the nightmare of, of that reality playing out is that Tizen runs on your TV. And like, that's the way it goes. Anyway, there, we'll, we'll let the IFA crew actually talk about IFA TV news, but it's, there's a lot going on. Uh, last little thing I want to talk about before I take a break. There's other Google stuff going on, and it's Google Assistant and smart displays. And Dan, I kind of don't understand what is happening. Neither do I. I'm so confused. Something happened with uh, Android Auto this week, and like so now there's like three or there will be three or four different ways to access Android Auto in your car, which is super confusing. And then like Google's Nest Hub Max is coming out really soon, and so like that's a, a assistant display. But Lenovo was like, wait, we've got a tablet that becomes an assistant display in a dock now and like so it low it's like an android tablet but when you put it in the dock it loads this like assistant dashboard interface but it's not like weird. the hub interface no it's a totally different interface which would have made like, perfect sense it's called ambient mode yeah but why wouldn't that just be the thing that the home hub does i it actually looks more useful than what the home hub does on like the ambient stuff like the home hub is like if all you want to do is look at photos and like see pictures of your kids and family and travel and what have you uh the home hub is great but like if you look at a home hub hoping to get some information it's actually pretty bad like it'll tell you the time and the weather and that's about it whereas like this one on lenovo's um a tablet, this ambient mode, you could get it to show like upcoming calendar appointments and other information. Okay. I mean, conceptually, I'm really into this because I like the idea that you have like a smart display with mics in like a trimmed down interface sitting in a dock. So you can like, turn mm -hmm. on the lights and it, like turns on the lights and you can, like stab at it and you don't have to like monkey with an app to like turn off the lights. You can just, right? You have this like controller. And then when yeah. you need to like inevitably reset your Wi Fi lights, 
You can like pull it off the dock, and the Android app is right there. Right? It's like very smart for a smart home controller to have that sort of backup interface. I have a, an iPad mounted in my kitchen as a smart home hub controller or whatever, and I would love to have an interface like this on my iPad that just displays all the time. Apple Apple will never give that to you. Widgets? I know. Yeah, it's widgets. <laughs> You're never get. You can get like kiosk mode, and you can run one app. Yeah, so I run the home app, which tells me nothing. Like, <laughs> well, doesn't doesn't Google's Home uh, speaking of weird operating systems, doesn't Google's Home Hub run a weird operating system? Like it, like it's like yep. it's a stripped down thing reaching up to be as functional as uh, as this where this is using basically Android. So obviously they have unlimited functionality that they could put yeah, in. Yeah, we had Rishi Chandra on the show who's the product manager in charge of all this stuff or the VP, I don't know, type. He's the He's the home hub honcho. <laughs> yes, that's right. The Triple H of Google in charge of home <laughs> products. Um, fancy title. And he like basically laughed at me directly when I tried to ask him what operating systems all these use. He's like, why do you care? Who gives a shit? Like, consumers don't care. And I was like, but I don't understand. This one runs Supercast. The Lenovo one runs like some weird Lenovo one. And this is stripped down Android. The Lenovo runs Android things. Yeah. And then mm. the home hub runs, runs something built on Cast, and then right. this thing runs on top of Android. Like, <laughs> yes, it is all over the place. On the same theme with Google, Google now has three driving apps for Android, and Dieter knows what's going on with them, and the answer is, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you care, Eli? <laughs> I just said, like, Google, I, I think with the deck for the, uh, the this Android thing was, why does Google do everything twice? Which I think is, or, like, a or deep... Three times. Like a deep call from Dieter's soul. Like, <laughs> if you like, if you see him at XOXO, just walk up to him. And be like, what's in your soul? And he'll be like, Why does Google do everything twice? <laughs> like, it's it's such a fundamental. Why does Google? Why can't Google focus and just move move products iteratively forward instead of always starting over? I think is a fair question to ask at this time. But there are driving apps. I am very excited for Google Maps to just sort of slowly turn into Android Auto, which it should just do. It kind of does. If you're using the latest version of Android Auto on, on the car display side of things, you plug in your phone, Maps loads up immediately. Like, you are thrown right into Google Maps. Yeah, but I don't have Android Auto in my car, and so I mount my phone, my gigantic phone, with a display that is almost as big as the display in my car, uh, and I just, like, load Google Maps, and that's great because I don't mind, and I should that should just turn into Android Auto. Like, why do they have a separate Android Auto app? Well, so that's like the whole story here is that they were getting rid of the separate Android Auto app with Android 10, but because some people don't have a display in their car or they use the Android Auto interface on their phone like you just described, they want it back. So Google said that they were going to launch a Google Assistant driving mode, which turns the Assistant into some sort of driving interface, but that's not ready yet. It's taking too long to develop. So Google's like, okay, we'll bring back the Android Auto app for now until we're done with the assistant driving mode, and then it's goodbye to the Android Auto app again. You know, one of those runs on cast, the other one runs on Android things. <laughs> anyway. All right. That's all the Google stuff. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We're going to find out what's going on with Facebook dating. 
Support of The Vergecast comes from Shopify. Whether you're a huge company or a small crafter trying to make a buck off your hobby, selling online is one of the best ways to grow. Shopify is one of the top e-commerce platforms that you can use to get started. But it's not just online. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And you can sell wherever, online or with their in-person point of sale system. You can also sell more with less effort with their AI-powered tool, Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. You might recognize more brands who already use Shopify, like Rothy's, Brooklinen, Allbirds, and more. Millions of entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries rely on Shopify for their e-commerce needs. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash vergecast. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash vergecast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash vergecast. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Are we back? Yeah, I have a question. Yes. How do you guys feel about the Philips Hue Edison style light bulbs? I don't necessarily expect you to have feelings. But when I saw this, I was like, what is going on here? I have a lot of feelings about this. It's so really weird. <laughs> I have a home full of LED Edison bulbs. Mm-hmm. So I'm already cheating. Right. Right. There's no like crackling warmth <laughs> coming off That's my That's okay. Old You're style doing good bulbs. for the environment. But they look cool. My, my take on them is hue bulbs in general, like the normal LED ones, are pretty dim. Like, they're not very bright bulbs. Edison bulbs, or Edison-designed bulbs, are also very dim. So, like, we're putting these, like, two things that are dim together, and they're just going to be, like, terrible light bulbs. No, the, the dimness isn't going to, like, multiply. No, no, it gets worse. Believe me, it'll get worse. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, a frost on the glass or something. Yeah. 33 for two of these? That's hue, baby. They're, they're like the cheapest ones. All right. They're just I mean, really late to the trend is the thing. Yeah, but like think of all of the restaurants in Brooklyn. I know. Can I was like, great. Every now. Williamsburg <laughs> Anyhow. Ashley, there's a big announcement in kind of your zone of the world yeah. this week. Well, <laughs> no. you know, like Instagram, dating apps. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we have two married people on this show. You guys aren't hyped on this. <laughs> <laughs> I quit Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The audience will love this announcement. Yeah. Facebook dating is coming to the United States. And this is a big deal because honestly, I didn't think it would reach this point. I did not think Facebook dating would you ever. You would make it. No, I did not. And so it's exactly what it sounds like. Facebook dating, the whole selling point is that you can, you don't match with anyone you're mutually friends with. So you're not going to find like your aunt or your cousin or whatever. You're only going to see strangers. 
and you can match based around events and groups. So you can go, if you RSVP to a concert and the other people have opted into Facebook dating, you can look at the RSVP list and it'll tell you like who's single, who's available, and you can kind of like match to meet up at this event. So that's like the big selling point around Facebook dating. Wasn't sold on this. Haven't been sold on this. It's been around. It's been in a bunch of countries except for the United States. Until today, I went to their launch event and they added a new integration. So they have this feature called quote unquote secret crush, which I have some ethical issues with. But secret crush lets you pick, I think it's up to nine or something, a a group of people of your Facebook friends and now your Instagram followers. Instagram followers? Yes. This is not the people you follow. Oh, because that would like reveal it. Yeah, because the thing is, if I follow like Ariana Grande and I have a crush on Ariana Grande, like, why would I pick her as my secret crush? It has to be people who are following you already. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. Because they're invested in you. So the I would have picked Ariana Grande. Just flat out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone would. So that's why they didn't do that. But the secret crush feature, which is totally a growth hack and wrong, yeah. now applies to Instagram. And this is when it, I was like, whoa, I'm they're at least in. Facebook dating. Well, okay. This reminds me of the top eight on MySpace. So it's exactly g- like that. Why do you think it's morally dubious? Okay, so basically how this works is once you pick your secret crushes, they have to be opted in as well to Facebook dating. And it will tell them they have a secret crush. The only way to find out who their secret crush is is to pick their own secret crushes. And once they pick their own secret crushes, if they mutually pick the same person, you get a match. And you find out that you guys both had a secret crush on each other. Oh. This is so dumb, as I'm even saying it out loud. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, a vibe. It's, like it's going to get everybody to do it. Exactly. It's going to get everybody to do it. I mean, if you find out someone has a secret crush on you, oh my God, I'm totally picking my secret crushes. 100%. Unless you're Ariana Grande and you're like, yes, it's everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you think there's like a like a pent up, like let's say there's 500,000 existing IRL secret crushes that convert into about 250,000 Facebook matches, wow. right? Paul's, lose Paul's straight doing like romance math right now. <laughs> this I'm is saying, great. Could you have like a like the the Facebook dating marriage apocalypse where like everybody like two years from now is all getting married because they all suddenly discovered their secret crush? No. <laughs> That's I mean, a good dream, right? Like like whoever like the product manager of secret crushes is like you know it's not morally dubious in exactly uh, 48 months. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see our first secret crush babies. Oh, they already brought it up. Really? Mm-hmm. At the launch day, they were like, we can't wait for face our first Facebook dating wedding. Wow, I was just saying oh, the wow. craziest idea that I had. <laughs> yeah, no, it came up today. That's like a point of pride for all dating apps. They brag about how many New York Times wedding announcements mention their app. So, so I have a question for you, Ashley, since you cover this beat and and know this far better than I do. It seems to me, someone who never uses dating apps, that there are already a lot of dating apps out there, and this market is pretty well saturated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why is Facebook doing this? Aside from, like, it got bored copying Snapchat features, so now it's just copying dating app features. Honestly, I don't fully understand why Facebook wants to be in the dating app market. I think they it is a behavior that's already existed on the platform so that's kind of what they point to like oh people have been meeting in groups and through you know their old high school sweethearts or whatever on the app already so we might as well make a dating feature but i genuinely don't really understand i don't and they talked a lot today about how instagram dm sliding obviously is like the culture and so if you have a crush you just slide into the dms and you hope it works out this is kind of like getting rid of dm slides i think well, it's not on Instagram, right? It's in Facebook. 
Right. But that's why the Instagram integration is so interesting to me, because now that you can identify your secret crush from Instagram, I don't have to DM slide. It brings you it brings the Instagram people over to Facebook, which is so smart, because when it was only Facebook friends or just Facebook in general, I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm not redownloading Facebook. There's no way. But as soon as they were like, oh, you can tell your Instagram followers who you have a crush on. Did you redownload Facebook? This is where I think it's morally dubious. Like, just some, like, gamification, like, find your secret crush. Yeah, it's sketchy. Oh, yeah. Four is it's on the order of, like, candy crush sketchiness, mm-hmm. right? Like, the next step of this is, like, find out your secret crush if you do all of yours and pay us three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Or, well, like, we'll, we'll show them to you faster if you pay three ninety nine. Like They say they're not going to do paid, but, he, I mean, this, he, this is... He's just- going to make you pay in Libra. Like, that's what they're going to do. <laughs> But like the the more the dubious part of this is, hey, we lost all these people to yep. Instagram. Now we're gonna make them come back to Facebook. It's brilliant adding the Instagram integration. That's the only way you're gonna get young people to use Facebook dating. Yeah, like I'm intrigued now because I'm like, oh, I like Instagram. Maybe I have a secret crush on Instagram. I don't. I have no crushes. My life is so lame, you guys. So kind of like building on what Dan was asking, you cover the the only company in the dating app world. <laughs> Right, I mean, like, there's but one company. It's IAC. They own Match Group. They own Tinder. I mean, they own all of them. Yeah. Except for Bumble. Bumble, which they are suing. In their that's a whole thing. So one day, eventually, they're going to own each other. (laughs) That's that's the end of that lawsuit. But there is no other competition, really. Mm -hmm. And so this is like the first big competition for Match Group. Match always says they're like, well, people use more than one dating app. We don't see it as a like you win them all or not. And that's true. Like, people use multiple dating apps. So I do think Facebook dating doesn't necessarily spell doom for Match Group. Really? I don't. I think people are going to go. Facebook dating might become the hot thing because it's like, oh, who's on here? I'm curious. But at the end of the day, it's all just a dating app. Like, you'll go on all of them. (laughs) I don't because I'm above that. Uh, Well, like, Tinder mints money for Match Group, right? I mean, like. Tinder is the moneymaker for Match Group. So if this cuts into any Tinder usage at all, doesn't that hurt Match? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, like the danger. But I do think people people will pay for Tinder and they'll still use other dating apps too, I think. So I don't know. Match could be in trouble. It's just I, like I it's just we all we are constantly talking about competition and like this is one area where it's just a monopoly. Mm-hmm. But you can also use the dating apps for free. I mean yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly don't necessarily think it's going to take down Tinder. I just don't. I think I monitored a little bit of Facebook dating while it was abroad because I was like, okay, how's this experiment going? This is why I did not think it was going to come to the U.S. because everything I saw online was negative. All the users I saw abroad who were using it never said anything nice about Facebook dating, and it all sounded like terrible experiences. So I think Facebook's, I think Facebook's user base is going to be bad. And yeah. I think people are going to need to go to Tinder and Hinge to find good people. Yeah, even with the Instagram integration. Even with that. The because once you do the secret crush thing, it's like, okay, done. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, maybe you're done then. That's the only thing I'm interested in. We'll never know, but I would love to know. Like, you have, I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore. Me neither. Y- you don't, Mm-mm. but you might reinstall it for the secret crush thing. Like, how yeah. long that app stays on your phone? No, after well, you I would get delete it immediately hit? after. Woof. All right, here's my other question. It seems like the way easier money for Instagram is to just take my credit card. <laughs> I know. You really want them to. I just, th- I bought another card <laughs> charger. No. Neil has a problem. Where's my piece? Neil, I signed it. I'm going to make it public now, so you shamed into writing it. 
I found heaven or, or, or whatever through car chargers on Instagram or like finding the greatest car charger ever made. On well, Instagram. here's, here's why you should buy car chargers on Instagram. <laughs> First of all, um, you're supporting the American dream, right? Like two kids in a garage. They found some Alibaba listing. They took some photos. <laughs> they made a way over the top video and all of the videos are like people throwing phones in their cars. Like check it out. Bang. And like it, magnets. And like, that's just the dream. Like you want to support those kids, right? You're you're learning how to start a business. Then the thing comes and it really is some like Alibaba repurposed garbage, and like that's reality, and that's just who you are. But you helped. It's like the, the lemonade stand of Instagram. Second, if it does work, you're like, oh, that was a nice upgrade. See, and it's like there's wow. no stakes here. <laughs> Are you, are you willing to say how much money you've spent on Instagram car chargers? Um, uh, it is it is clearly over two hundred dollars, and I'm now getting targeted for just bizarre <laughs> shit. Like, uh, Moen made a device called the Flow, which just turns the water off in your house, <laughs> and like, there's a whole ad. It's four hundred dollars. And the ad is like some father knocking on the door to get his kid out of the bathroom to go to school. And he like pulls out his phone, like hits the button, and the shower turns off. Whoa. It's like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, why would you cut all of the water in your house? <laughs> Who is this for? It's for you. They've Power targeted gadgets. you. Oh, yeah. They know. But it's like, I'm getting those ads now. And it's like, I don't want this. Oh, my God. Yeah. I got the real, like, there's the goods wrote a whole piece. It's like, why are Instagram ads all so hot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was Rebecca, and I was like, my Instagram ads are not like <laughs> Yeah, you're like, wait, <laughs> where did nothing, I go wrong? About my Instagram ads are hot. Mine are all socks, and I've never bought socks on Instagram, but I get a lot of Instagram ads for socks. There you go. Um, and then there's other news that they, Instagram started hiding like counts. Mm-hmm. The, and this is actually quite controversial because everyone got it wrong, because you can, in fact, still see your likes. Yeah. Like, you can see your own metrics, but the world can't. Everyone took Instagram hiding likes as like, oh, no, the influencer economy is going to tank. Not That is not true. If anyone says that to you, just be like, no. Yeah. Because that's not true. In, you can still see your own likes. And also, influencers have crazy metrics that they have behind the scenes about, like, how many people follow them per day, how many stop following them per day, what posts they engage with, which they didn't, click-through rates, all sorts of things. They're beyond the likes. They're fine. So why would Facebook call them down to you? Because well, so, there's not like the Facebook influencer world in that way. Right. So this has nothing to do with influencers. So Facebook now is thinking about hiding likes on posts. And really, I think it comes down to just relieving some of the pressure to post because you're aware of how well your photo is going to do. Yeah. I mean, if you post permanently. That's why stories is so popular. Because you're like, oh, no one knows how many people are viewing this. And if they viewed it, enjoy. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. But when it's permanently on your grid or permanently on your Facebook page, you're like... I want to make sure it gets good engagement so that everyone thinks I'm cool and popular. So if you hide that pressure, people are more willing to post. I see. Possibly whatever they want. Like, I know that if you post a photo with your face in it or something, you're going to get more likes versus if you post a photo of, like, a waterfall. Yeah. Just facts. I got to stop posting waterfalls. (laughs) We should all aspire to post more waterfall pics. Yeah. But I like the photos I take of waterfalls. (laughs) and, And that's perfectly fine. But yeah. are you aware of how many people like those photos? Not many. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is going to turn into a therapy session sad. pretty soon. Everyone, <laughs> everyone tell us your Instagram strat. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. John and Tom and Chris and do the IFA roundtable. I think this, they did this late at night. So you just roll with it because I think it's a little, a little wild. We're going to do that. We're going to come back, and then we're going to wrap up with some iPhone news. Check it out. Wow. 
that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So we're here in Berlin for IFA 2019. We've got three of our biggest announcements from the show that we just want to talk through and get a bigger, better insight into. So I'm joined by Chris Welch, who's the news editor here, and Tom Warren, who's our Microsoft editor, and I'm John Porter, I'm the international news writer at The Verge. Um, so Chris, you were at Amazon's event last night uh, where they showed off a couple of new products. Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what have they got for us? There's a new second-generation Amazon Fire TV Cube, uh, which now has Dolby Vision, which is the big addition there. So that was missing from the first model. And that's there. We saw a bunch of new Fire TV editions, which are TVs made by other companies that run the uh, Fire TV software. And one of those is the first OLED TVs, which looks really nice. And it also has built-in microphones for Alexa, which might raise some privacy concerns, but some people might want that. So then there was a soundbar that also has the Fire TV stuff built in. It's just Fire TV and all the things was the theme of the night. So, like, talking about the, the, the TV, the Fire TV editions, like, have you ever tried out one for yourself? Because they, they, they've been North America exclusive until now, so this is, like, their big international rollout to the UK and Germany, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think somewhere in Canada as well. Uh, but, I mean, they're fine. They run Fire TV software. The, the TVs themselves are okay quality, so I think Amazon's trying to step that up yeah. uh, with the OLED model, which is made by a company called Grundig which uh, Great has some history here in Germany, apparently, but is not going to be too recognizable to other folks. But, uh, but it looked nice, and what's nice about the Fire TV editions is you can plug in uh, the antenna that you might have in your house, so you can mm. just stream channels through there and watch those as part of like, the whole thing. There's a guide that pops up, so it's a nice, like, fully integrated situation. That they so, have. Like, like, what do you think of Alexa as, uh, as a, like, a means of controlling a TV? So, so I've tried out the, the Fire TV stick with the Alexa remote in the past, I found that 
you know, it's it's the Alexa works okay, but it seemed to be really selective with what it like could and could not do. Mm-hmm. So, like when when you have these these Fire TV editions and you're actually building Alexa more uh, more closely into like all the operation of, of of the TVs, do you think that kind of helps Alexa actually be a viable way of controlling these TVs, or, or is it kind of like a weird? Outside? I think it does. I mean, there are always stumbles. You were there last night, and they tried some demos that didn't work out too well. Uh, so they always have some mistakes. But now they have this new local voice mode or makes uh, some commands faster if you want to scroll to the right or left, or just basic commands are much faster. They don't have to ping a server and get help anymore. So that element, just like basic navigation, should be a lot faster. Uh, But as far as like opening apps, Netflix, they'll do all that stuff just fine. Play songs. So all the basics, I think it works pretty well. Yeah, the like the, the Fire TV Cube, I think, is interesting. And that's that's something that, again, it hasn't... Like, all of these things are... Uh, like at least the the, the two that, that already exist that kind of have kind of been North America only. So like the big things seem to be that they're actually be kind of becoming international. So of course the other one is the the Fire TV Cube, which I don't know. Like it seemed to have these like grand ambitions of controlling your home, your whole home media center, and I feel like that never really came together. But it wasn't ever really Amazon's fault, right? It was just because the ecosystem of IR blasters and HDMI CEC just like isn't isn't really equipped to be able to deal with these things. Right, they're saying that uh, there's a team that's based here in Berlin that actually does all the IR commands and all of those device support. So they work on all the all of those devices, and they're trying to add more and more every month, it seems like. But you're always going to have things that just don't work perfectly, or one command works and one doesn't, and things just don't turn on at the same time. It's the world of IR blasters. It's just yeah, that's it. Like I, I think I've kind of I think everyone at some point has really optimistically bought like a universal remote, and right. they're like, finally, <laughs> this this will work. But then it, yeah, like all of these devices seem to work in slightly different ways. They go to sleep at different times, and then the remote just doesn't quite doesn't quite work yeah. in, in, in the same way. There's no one perfect solution, but when it works fine, and it does most of the time, it's it's pretty nice. It's a nice thing to just say, watch this show, and all everything just lights up all at once and starts playing and so when it works it works and most of the time it does cool fair enough you also get a chance to check out uh lg's it's it's lg's foldable but it's not quite a foldable foldable in that it's a case that has a second screen on it so you can fold it open and you get two 6.4 inch displays to work with what is lg doing <laughs> uh it's called the lg g8x uh it's got the usual specs uh, for 2019 snapdragon 855 all the usual ram and storage options uh good cameras there's some fun camera modes there's an asmr mode uh okay. for the video camera which what is that <laughs> just makes the microphone a lot more sensitive so you can whisper to it and unwrap things and just you know make a bunch of weird youtube content i think is what they're going for but the big story is that second screen so you just plop the phone into a case and then it just lights up and you can move apps across you can watch a youtube or netflix video on on one screen and just browse the web on the other write emails so it's so is that gonna can that scale one app across two screens or are you always limited to having two two apps across the two different screens uh, so lg's first party apps can scale across and also chrome they showed a demo that chrome is the one app that they're using that can actually span the width uh, of both okay. displays if you want to have like just a super wide web browser which has a break in the middle so i'm not sure how often you would want to use a web browser in that way mm. but you can like you know like the lg gallery you can like choose a thumbnail on the left side and it pops up on the right and things like that. Okay. But as far as like third-party apps like Google Photos or Netflix or things like that, really on them to kind of add support for it, which I 
yeah. can't imagine it's going to be too late. Well, it feels like LG's in this unfortunate position of they built a thing that seems like it could be okay with the right amount of app support. But right. unless you're kind of sitting there going, oh, I can't wait to use LG's own like, photo viewer, right? <laughs> Yeah. But then, you, you like, it, it, there's it's just that limitation of the Android platform that is just not set up for devices with two screens. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's nice in the way that you can just kind of take off the case and just have your standard phone when you want that. It's just nice and thin in your pocket. And then when you need that enhanced larger screen, you can just take that with you. So I think there's something to that idea, but it'll be interesting to see how much support this gets if people really buy it. And, like, will it cost money or will the carriers that just sell it for free with a phone that's a big question too because if you have to pay for it separately i think it's gonna face pretty far odds to and then can, can we talk about notches notches can, can we? so like the... so the phone has a teardrop notch and so does the second screen for no obvious reason and i mean it... lg says they wanted to do symmetry so it looks the same and also i think it was cheaper for them to buy the parts uh, from their supplier just like, well, the same... like a bulk order right on, exactly like... put in the bulk yeah. order so You've got a real notch with a camera in it and a fake notch on the other side. And there's so. just no camera in that notch. No camera? Just Nothing a little, little cut just out of the screen. Little, yeah, little slope notch. It's not that offensive. It's just really bizarre. But that's I, the way it is. I feel for LG. I feel like LG tries so hard. And every single LG phone, it has, it has a thing, you know, whether it's like... The, the, was it the, the quad DAC they had? Yeah, the yep, this phone still has that. Most of their phones have that. I mean, their hardware is great. And the software... Uh, they showed off some new software UI that's going to come soon that makes their software a bit better. It's still LG software, so it's not the best around. But uh, but the hardware is great. The cameras are there as always. You got the wide <laughs> camera. That's, cameras, I think that's really know. damning by omission, right? But, like, they like, gave you like more of the uh, more a manual control over video and and stills and things like that than uh, than a lot of other phone makers do. So I think you know the hardware is there. They just can't seem to really stand out from. Samsung just seems to always overshadow them. And it's happened here too with the Galaxy Fold. But then, so, so if it's got that quad DAC, then does that mean it still has a headphone jack? It does. It so does is, is that the only flagship in 2019 that has managed to hold on to it's that? It's one of the few remaining, if not the only. So yeah, yeah that's still... It'll be it's interesting saving to see grace if people, people can with... put their money where their mouth is. All those people that complain about the headphone jack disappearing, and if they really care, yeah. if they really can't live without it, then LG sales theoretically, right? Yeah. Through the roof. All right, so from like LG's weird foldable slash not foldable accessory, uh, Tom, you've actually tried out an actual honest-to-God foldable device. I have, the, yeah. The Samsung Galaxy the, Fold. The Galaxy Fold. Is it, okay, did you manage to break it? I suppose is, is I tried, I tried super hard. I was like, I'm going to get my damn nail underneath that bezel and rip this screen <laughs> off. Um, but it didn't work. Didn't work. No, they seem to have fixed that part of it. Whether they fix the rest is, you know. Yeah. So, so like, when you're holding it, could you kind of, could you tell that this was a device that had been reinforced? Like, did, did it look like they've kind of gone too far in the, op- in the opposite direction or anything? I think it feels like a little less, and it looks and feels a little less, like, prototype-y, I guess. Okay. Like, it feels a little bit more polished. Oh, um, sure, okay. It just felt like the, the hinge was a little bit more um, sturdy. Yeah, cause, I mean, how many months has it been? Because it must have been, was it back in... April. April. So yeah, so... it's been like five months. It's a long time. It is a long time. So so you, you got to hold, did you get to hold it? Did you get to fold it yourself? Yeah, yeah. They, they, we literally went into a room. They were like, here's your fold. Go wild for like 45 minutes. Really? So they were not... Because the, the, the video I saw on Twitter was a, a Samsung rep like handling it. And yeah. 
the joke I made was that like Samsung wants everyone to know how resilient its fold is, and then it has like this spokesperson handling it with literally with a white kid glove. Yeah, and you're like that's that does not suggest that this thing is resilient. But but you guys would just you got your dirty grubby hands on it. Yeah, no, we went wild. We, we sat there playing around with it. I was folding and unfolding it like crazy. Um, like some of the stuff they've done to like the hinge so the gap between the hinge and like the displays has been reduced okay we should effectively stop dirt from getting underneath it yeah that's the problem with ours right that like a bit of dirt got underneath and just seemed to like wedge itself in in the crease underneath the screen we think we think there was like a bit of debris underneath the screen that basically just made it go haywire we didn't peel off the screen protector not screen protector, but you know, the, actual the protective screen. film, as it's <laughs> called. Um, yeah, the actual screen. We didn't do that, um, although many others did. But yeah, like so, they the hinge work is like the main stuff, and that and putting that screen film underneath the bezels like a a, you know, a big improvement. Because I think if people pulled that out of the box and started peeling that off, it would have been yeah, a disaster. But yeah, that, so that that's one part of the hinge, and also when you you know when you fold it in like flat yeah. into into the candy bar sort of phone. Mm-hmm. Um, the the actual gap in between has been reduced as well. Okay. So you know, like there's like a um, like a little like wedge almost yeah, in in the middle. That that's been reduced slightly as well. So that should mean when it's in your po- pocket, um, less like lint and stuff and fluff, and that should get okay. in between hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing is at the top and the bottom, they've got these like plastic caps now. Okay. Um, they look a little strange. Like, I guess if you if you open it up and you're like staring at them, then it's like okay, it looks strange, but like you're not really going to notice them. It's like looking at someone's ear for too long. Yeah, like exactly. anything looks weird yeah. if you kind of over-examine it, right? Yeah. And my ears look super weird if you stare at them. So. I please please don't tell me that while I'm trying to have a normal conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So so they put these caps on, uh, and they're supposed to. I think they they're kind of like there to protect the hinge reinforce it a bit more and also i think like to stop the the protective film from like you know coming off in that point so and then in terms of like software and stuff i mean i remember from our review we didn't really have well i mean obviously it's a first generation device so the software is never going to be like 100 percent perfect but have they yeah. made any have they taken any r&d time and kind of put that into making the software scale no, better or they've done sweet fa really like literally yeah <laughs> like i asked them like what have you done um software wise and they were like not a lot. Um, the only thing they've done, or like they told me about, um, was the navigation bar. Um, so you can have it on the, the the Android navigation bar if you pick the navigation bar, not like the gesture stuff that Samsung has. You can have it on the right of the display. Okay. You can have it basically across the center, like across both. The, I don't want to say both the displays, but you know what I mean. Um, or you can have it on the left hand side. Okay. Um, that's that's pretty much the only software improvement. Well, that, that's a real like point one kind of software update. Isn't strange, it? like yeah, you'd think within five months that they, like if they're serious about this thing, they would have revved the software a little bit and yeah. found, found different ways. So I'm curious to see how they can make the interaction between the cover display and the the main tablet display, shall we shall we say, yeah. um, a little bit more, you know, a little better. Definitely. Cool. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you, Chris. Uh, back to you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> back to you in the states back to you in the studio <laughs> run vt yeah i think it was late at night that's my guess that it was very late at night there in berlin all right paul yeah every week that's right what is it i do with a segment all constantly every week it's called if my shoes turn green it's time for crime <laughs> nike 
Um, <laughs> Nike has got these new Adapt Huraches. I don't know how to say it. It's a shoe that they make, and it's got powered laces, right? But importantly, also it has LED lights, but importantly, the laces and the LED lights, which can change colors, uh, can be controlled by uh, Siri, specifically Siri shortcuts. So what I'm conceiving of a situation, we all know that teenagers love to go skip school and do crimes. So you're in class and you're like, yo, teach, I got to open up my calculator app on my phone. And they, so you do that, but it's actually a Siri shortcut and it changes the color of your shoes to green automatically, very secretively. And now all your friends who can see your shoes know it's time for crime. What do you think? <laughs> what what kind of crime are we talking about here? Oh, just the, you know, you've seen television. <laughs> Does it have to be a running based crime? Teens are always always <laughs> doing crimes. No, do you jump jump really high? To no, do this it's a crime? cool crime that doesn't really hurt anybody. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> One of those friendly crimes, right? For teens, it's like uh, lighting off fireworks. Yeah, yeah, exactly, something like that, or like writing like. I hate the principle, but with chalk, so it's easy to wash off. <laughs> don't do any of these crimes. Also, don't create a code where your shoes change color before you deface the school. Paul was not good at crimes. That's what I've learned from this conversation. Like, ah, oh, I wonder who did this. It's the kid with the yellow shoes. Green. Green, green. shoes. Adapt. Huraches will be released on September 13th. All right. Well, enjoy your criminal shoes. All right. There's an iPhone event next week. Dieter and I are going. I think Viren's coming with us. There was like some drama, right? There was like a thing that leaked, and then the person who leaked it retracted it and said it was fake, had a bunch of iOS 13 dates in it. But I think we know, just based on the rumors, that there's an iPhone 11, which replaces the 10R, an iPhone 11 Pro, which replaces the 10s and then an iPhone 11 Pro Max <laughs> which is 4G LTE one of extreme. the worst yeah I mean we used to make so much fun of of HTC for their names the Droid Incredible 4G LTE the HTC Touch Pro 4G LTE these are real phone names uh but anyway the iPhone 11 Pro Max I was hoping that stealing my daughter's name would only last for one year. <laughs> I was wrong. It's forever now. She's going to outlive these phones. I'm just putting it out there. It's just a fact. She will <laughs> never know. Like, there's a world in which she will never know that her name was popular as, like, streaming service garbage in Apple phones. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, but I think we know that's going to happen. Um, there's a bunch of rumors about these phones. I think we know that there's going to be a time-of-flight camera, perhaps a wide-angle lens in the back. I think the big news is that the 10R is just becoming the phone, right? The iPhone 11 is now sort of the, not the highest end phone, right? It's like the the go-to, here's the one, and then there's a tier of phones above it. And I, mm -hmm. that to me is like a real interesting shift for Apple, right? They, I, they're probably gonna sell a lot of iPhone 11 Pros. I don't think that's gonna be any, any weirdness there, but it does seem like that's a big shift for them that they made with the 10R, that they're, they're mid, I don't know if you even call it the mid-range phone, but sort of the middle phone, because they're going to be expensive. But the middle phone is the main phone and not the, the best phone. I'm still upset they're doing the thing where the smaller phone is more expensive. Oh, the small, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now I'm like, oh, I really need to upgrade this year, 
and I just don't want to have a big phone. I don't. Yeah. So I have to go for the middle phone. Do you have a 10 or 10S? Oh, no. You- I still have a 6S. Oh, you're done. <laughs> you're out. What are I've you doing? I've held out. I've Did held out. you get like out. a battery upgrade? Oh, um, this is a Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts of weird things happening. In You've here. got like a like a sci-fi phone. It's got yeah. like other people's new parts home in button, it. new yeah. screen, new but, battery. But you know what? You know what Ashley has? Hmm. A headphone jack. This I do. I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's it, they're hard to like. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard to let go of the headphone jack once they're gone. I know. I've held on to this phone for so long, but I've told myself this was the year. I told uh, my myself. favorite story of this week, by the way, is the New York MTA telling people to stop <gasps> losing their the AirPods in the story. subway. Because they have to stop and go get them. The hey, trains tell, are tell the story because it really is the best story. Uh, well, it's just like 20, 20, so over 20. The Metropolitan Trans- Transportation Authority is consider- considering issuing a PSA to ask commuters to not take their AirPods on or off while entering or exiting trains. The number of lost AirPods first spiked in March after Apple released AirPods 2. There's been a considerable uptick this past summer. Due to the heat and humidity on subway platforms, it makes the ears and hands of New Yorkers pretty sweaty. <laughs> do, we, do we think this is how Gene Munster lost all of his? Uh, his number is like crazy, right? He's like, yeah, he says he's lost 10 pairs of AirPods. Uh, MTA <laughs> workers use an eight-foot pole with two rubber claws at the end to grab items, but the retrieval can take a while. It's, it's just really great. good. Maybe they should just have like DIY retrieval, like what leave if, the claw. What if your headphones were connected to your phone with a wire? <laughs> I, I know AirPods are expensive, but like I just feel like if an AirPod falls out of my ear between the subway car and the platform, like that is just a lost. Like I, I'm not expecting to ever get that AirPod back. Well, you, like, many New Yorkers are, Dan. Yeah, that's that was the most <laughs> shocking to me is all these people who are that dedicated that they're like, I will wait hours to get my AirPods one. are expensive. I know they're expensive, but I would be the same as Dan. I'd be like, eh, it's over now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to wear that thing. <laughs> Ew. Well. I mean, if you're like sweating an AirPod off your face and it falls to the ground, you can't be like, I've got sanitation problems. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay. So let's just go through some of these rumors. You have a big list. Big new camera square in the back of the Pro. We think there's a wide angle lens. Oh, there's some action about maybe better low light photography by combining more of these lenses. Multi angle face ID, which is just a wider field of view for face ID. Slow motion selfies seem quite strange. Uh, that's just a thing. Like they're, sure. they're going to make the Why video not? camera on the front better. Um, this one is weird, where they they might move your eyes when you use FaceTime to make it look like you're looking I at think camera. That's brilliant. I also think it's brilliant, but it's nuts. Reverse wireless charging that can charge AirPods. No one thinks no one thinks there's going to be a 5G iPhone this year. That will come next year with the iPhone 11s Pro Max 5G. Just putting that name out there now. Um, better water resistance. 3D touch is going away. The 6S had 3D touch, right? Mm-hmm. That, do you ever use it? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. To open notifications from my lock screen. It's that and previewing links. Mm-hmm. But every link that I preview is an ad. Yeah, so. and also this is a not real Apple screen, so it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, do you ever use 3D touch? Uh, I haven't had 3D touch for a while because I bought a 10R last year. So, like, I've I've largely forgotten about 3D touch. Yeah. I, I I think it's fine. I will miss certain things. No, it might take a minute to get used to it, but I think it's fine. Uh, and then new colors, no USB-C, which we all expected. Um, and then there's this rumor that came out today that next generation of iPhones will actually have Touch ID in the display over a large portion of the display, and it will work in combination with Face ID, which I that's a lot of biometric authentication. <laughs> but there's rumors about the next generation of iPhones coming out today, which is interesting. So I think I think we're... I would expect to see most of these things happen on the iPhone. 
I think the big questions are, are they going to do a watch? Probably. It seems likely. What will they add to that? There's some rumors of sleep tracking, which could be interesting. But other than that, they're so far ahead. And then I think we're going to see another event in October. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, the rumors all year have been that there's going to be a 16 inch MacBook Pro some point this year. I would not expect to see it next week. Um, and like whatever iPad refresh they do will probably not happen next week. Yeah. And then um, there's been a lot of rumors about an updated Apple TV. I strongly suspect they will make no mention of it. They will just quietly update the Apple TV with a new processor in the background because they've got a whole streaming service to launch. They're not going to put out a new Apple TV and then be like, and it has all the same content as before, right? Like they've got to show you the Oprah show or the, you know, the the morning show or whatever they're doing, the boring company. I, I feel like, you know, the current Apple TV is pretty powerful and like, I don't know what adding more power to a current Apple TV does. I think what a lot of people would like Apple to do and they probably won't do it, but is come out with something that's cheaper that is competitive with the Fire TV sticks and the Roku sticks and stuff like that. Because right now the Apple TV is like four times the cost of those things. Yeah, I, I literally think it's the oldest chip that they're manufacturing is in the Apple TV, right? It's the A10. So I, I literally think they're just going to move it along and be like, okay, you've got the one that the iPads use. Good on you. And like, get out. Like, that's all they yeah. need to do. Right. And then they can put out the cheaper one in the future. But there's no way they're going to make any announcement about updated Apple TV when they their big announcement is actually the streaming service. It's like the day they launch the actual Apple TV Plus streaming service and have you know pricing and you can do do we watch think we're going to get a date, an actual date for that uh this week or next week? I doubt it. I think all that will come later. I mean it's supposed to come, right? I think we'll, we're going to see some servicey stuff because they made such a big deal out of it and like the phone is the home of the services and the iPhone is a story of services now or a recurring revenue bundle. Multiple concurrent, confusing, con- recurring revenue bundles at home on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to say something, but I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to go all the way with the TV one. That's just my guess, especially if the only bump to the hardware is an A12. And then I, I think that's it. Like I, th- I think this is a very focused. Here are these phones. I think these phones have, have leaked a lot. I'm, I'm always excited to go. Like, who doesn't want to go to a spaceship? It's, it's iPhone week. Summer's over. Begin where we ended. But uh, one last thing, Apple-related. They put Apple Music on the web today, which is just a wild, who was asking for that? And the only answer I can come up with is, like, Windows users. Yep. Like, there's enough Apple Music Windows users that they had to make a website. Well, think about it like, you know, you're at work, you're an Apple Music subscriber, you're stuck with a Windows PC at work, and, like, you can now listen to it on your PC at work. But why wouldn't they make a, a Windows app? Uh, do anyone make Windows apps? <laughs> a rough <laughs> chuckle from Dan to end the Vergecast. <laughs> also, Harsh. just to point out, since we brought up recurring revenue for the last time, yeah, Tile sent out a really sad oh, right. this is PR package today related to the Apple event. So Apple's rumored to be making a Tile competitor, a Bluetooth tracker, so you can put it on a big thing. You can put it on like, your backpack, your wallet, whatever, and you can track your stuff. And today, Tile... I think I have this package upstairs. I haven't picked it up yet. But I saw online that they sent out Bose headphones to reporters with a note saying, if you're headed to Cupertino, like, basically, don't forget about us. Because we also (laughs) have, they literally mentioned Cupertino. And they are, it sounds like, very afraid. Yeah, I mean, they they should be. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) indie hardware. That's where you, that's where your roots. Like, Apple has, has, has done plenty, I feel like, to make Tile's life like difficult already like it's not like it's the most elegant integration with the phone 
Yeah, no, the phone actively fights what Tile is trying to do. Right. Like It's like, oh, you would like to maintain a persistent Bluetooth connection that tracks our location? <laughs> Have you heard of us? We're Apple. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. <laughs> but if they make... I, Look, there's Apple's got to face all the same questions about privacy and location tracking with this stuff too. Yeah, but at I the mean, end yeah, of the day, Tiles literally create an entire mesh network of people's things. Yeah, it's terrifying. All right, that's a Verchast. Uh, Dieter and I will be at Apple on Tuesday next week. That event starts at 10 a.m. Pacific. Saturation coverage on the Verge as you would expect. Interview episode next week, by the way, is Mike Isaac. He just wrote "Super Pumped: The Battle for Uber." That was a really fun conversation. Check that out next week. We'll be back with a chat show. Tech season is underway. Reviews, events, the whole thing is happening. It's going to be wild. You can listen to Ashley's show. Why'd you push that button? The whole third season is out. Mm-hmm. Just binge it. Binge it over the weekend. Bin- binge it. Go nuts. Please. You can watch The Future of Music with Danny Deal on our YouTube channel. That show is super fun. You can check out Rico Decode with Kara Swisher. You can listen to Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway. Ashley and I are both Galloway fans. It's, it's happened to me. Oh, really? It happened to me. Oh, wow. Well, I, I met never him. thought I never thought the day would come. You used the word rundle, so I was like, somebody's been listening. <laughs> wow. It's fun. It's like a I love Scott. He's a real I would say he's an influencer of business. That's a good a way to put it. Influencer. <laughs> you can also listen to Recode Media, Peter Kafka, and Land of the Giants Rise of Amazon, hosted by Recode's Jason Del Rey. That's all wherever you get your podcasts which is actually a fight between Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Ashley, which one's better? You're a podcast reporter. I use Spotify. There it is. The upstart coming in. And you can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Ashley, what's yours? Ashley R. Carmen. Paul? Future Paul. Dan? D.C. Seifert. And if you're at XOXO in Portland, please just walk up to Dieter and say USBC. Just see what happens. I would like to know. Do that and tweet at me. It'd be great. All right. We'll see you next week from Apple. Rock and roll. Paul. You've got to say whatever Dieter says. It's promo code. Promo code.